many, many people working hard and helping out and so appreciated. And uh, it's been a great season for our student ministry. And now we're excited to uh, have uh, Pastor Jake on as well. Grab your Bibles if you would. If you haven't already grabbed them, pull it out. Open to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, find your, look in the table of contents if you need to. 1 Corinthians is in the, toward the back of your Bible in the New Testament. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to study along in God's word with us each Sunday. Bring your Bible or open the uh, Bible app on your device and uh, be ready to follow along here in just a moment. We're in a series of messages that we've called Better Together as we study a book in your Bible called 1 Corinthians. This book is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, a leader in the early church, to a group of Christians called the Corinthians because they lived in a town called Corinth. So this letter is Paul to the Corinthians. And... Um, and we'll be jumping in there at verse 14 in just a moment. It struck me this week, when you think of the word imitation, is it immediately positive or negative in your mind? Imitation. That's kind of, sometimes we have a kind of a negative connotation, doesn't it? Well, I got a new wallet. It's imitation leather. I'm too cheap for the real, apparently, you know, or whatever, right? Or we, you know, you go to the snack bar and you get nachos with imitation cheese. They really taste good. But what's in that? <laughs> what is imitation cheese? And so we have this kind of negative connotation, and it can be similar. We can, similar, we can think similarly when it comes to imitating other people. And sometimes that's looked down upon. We don't imitate someone. We think so highly of originality and being yourself and being your own that imitation uh, might be looked down on. But let's uh, take a look in God's word this morning and see uh, why I've got us thinking about imitation. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Let's just read. I'll read aloud here. You can follow along the, uh, the verses that we'll be studying this morning. Paul, the church leader, a couple thousand years ago, writing to these Christians in Corinth. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come soon to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Let's pray before we study God's word together. Father, as always, we ask you to open our hearts and minds. Give us ears to hear what you have for us this morning. God, help us to keep our finger in the text, to keep our finger in, in your word. We thank you for the gift of your word, this, this Bible in our hands that you've given us so that we can learn about you, learn to walk with you more closely. Teach us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 4, back up to verse 14. What's going on here? Why does Paul start with, I do not write these things to make you ashamed? 
Well, we're, we're, this series of messages, these uh, messages in time in God's word each Sunday are, are in a series and we're studying right through this letter, passage by passage. And so I encourage you to be here as many Sundays as possible. We get the most out of God's word as we hear it in context. We hear what leads what was, what's come before, and then next Sunday, what comes after, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what comes before this passage, uh, if you were with us last Sunday, is Paul was, was quite sarcastic, speaking with irony. He was really kind of bluntly contrasting what the Corinthians thought they were, how spiritually mature and wise they thought they were, with what a, what a life following Jesus really looks like. And, and it was a little, a little tough coming out of his mouth, or I should say in this letter he wrote. But he was contrasting the Corinthians being puffed up and arrogant and divisive. And he was contrasting that versus his way of teaching the cross, that we live our life in light of what, who Jesus is and what he's done for us on the cross. They thought they'd arrived in, in wisdom, in knowledge, in, in how to think about spiritual things. But he says, I did not write these, those things I said in the last few verses. I, don't, I didn't write those to make you ashamed. He's saying that, uh, right, he's gonna, you're going to see this morning as we continue to study God's word, he's going to go on to kind of convince us and, and wrap up this first part of the letter. And, and he's been saying this and he continues to say this, that right thinking is not enough. That, that knowing the gospel, that just thinking about Jesus, that knowing a little bit about him isn't enough. That learning more about our Bible isn't enough. That the gospel must affect the way we live as well. And so Paul urges them then, he urges the Corinthians in our letter to imitate him, which means, he goes on to say, follow my ways of living for Jesus. And here's Timothy, follow the way he lives for Jesus. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you. Admonish is an interesting word. Let's think about that for a second. He writes these things to admonish them. And yeah, there's, there's a corrective tone there. There's, a, there's perhaps a warning or a caution or a reprimand coming. I, I write to admonish you. He's going to strongly urge. But here's what's interesting about the word admonish, or I think what's important here, is admonishing has a, is designed to correct, but without provoking without embittering the person listening. Do you follow what I'm saying? He's writing to correct them, but he's not yelling. He's not mad. He doesn't want to tick them off. He, he's writing to admonish. He's writing to correct them because he cares, because he wants them to grow. There's a sense in admonish of, of counsel and appeal. And so may God appeal to us this morning through his word. May God counsel us this morning through his word. He says, but to admonish you, and then how does he refer to the Corinthians? Look there in your word. How does he refer to them? Uh, to admonish you who? My dear children, my beloved children. Again, this is, this is him making sure they know he loves them and cares for them. That he has some correction for them. That he wants to tell them the truth and, and, and make sure they think about how they need to live. But he, he's particularly disarming here. He's reducing hostility. He's saying, my beloved Children, listen, because I care. He's writing as a teacher to his followers. Verse 15. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became 
your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So now Paul has referred to them as beloved children and to himself as father. So here he's now shifted metaphors to this kind of child-parent relationship, father to beloved children. And, and where's, what's happened in this letter up until now? What have we been learning? We've been learning that Paul had his authority called into question. Paul was writing to teach them and encourage them and explain to them where they were missing the point and where they had gone wrong. And while they were passionate about Jesus and while they were, had the spirit in their lives, they were not living in the ways of Jesus. And so Paul is writing to them, but he's having to defend himself a little bit. He's having to defend his authority because they've taken sides with other leaders. And as these people have divided themselves over which leader they like best, Paul is needing to reassert his authority. So he uses this parent-child metaphor. He uses father to beloved children. He says, I founded your, that church in Corinth. I helped start that church. I brought the good news of Jesus to you. He says, I, we have this relationship that allows me to admonish you, to urge you to change, to remind you to follow Jesus. And if need be, Paul says, and if need be, to come and discipline, to get you on the right path, to get you back walking with Jesus. Verse 16, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Isn't that kind of gutsy from a human? I always think, man, whew, I'm not sure I would tell anybody, be imitators of me. Verse 16, Paul says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, how I live for him as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant as though I'm not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. He's reminding us this morning that right thinking is not enough, that knowing the Bible, that knowing the gospel is not enough, that the gospel of Jesus, the good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that needs to affect the way we live. It doesn't just add to our knowledge base. It doesn't just give us wisdom that makes us superior than others. As we follow Jesus and the spirit lives within us and we are transformed from the inside out, we become more and more like him and it absolutely must result in appropriate behavior as well as increased knowledge. Instead of thinking poorly then, so, so we said earlier about imitation and what's the connotation? And sometimes we have that kind of negative feeling about imitation. Well, instead of thinking poorly about imitation, Paul says, imitate me. Follow my way of living for Jesus. And, and here we've got, you know, in, this, in these few verses that we're studying this morning, we've got multiple examples of what Paul is doing to bring counsel to them, to provide an example to, to follow. He says, hey, I'm sending Timothy. He's my beloved son. Imitate him as well. He's a follower of Jesus. He is worth knowing and following. He says, I'm coming to visit. I'm planning to come visit. So you'll get to see me again in person and you'll get to learn about Jesus from me in person. And of course, we know that Paul is writing what? This letter, back and forth letters to the Corinthians because he cares, because he wants to admonish, because he wants to be father to beloved child to them, to help them learn how to live for Jesus. We too 
followers of Jesus, faith church family, we too need those relationships in our lives. We need disciplers, those that have spiritual maturity and are walking with Jesus that we can look to and look up to and ask questions of and ask for them to pray for us. And we as followers of Jesus need to be discipling too, passing on our faith in Jesus to others who want to grow in Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, look at, the, look at the levels of passing on the good news here. Look at the like generations of passing along what we're learning in this verse. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that, entr- pass that along to faithful men, and what do they do? Who will be able to teach others Also, look at the passing along of the good news of Jesus. Look at what we as followers of Jesus are to do. We are to be learning and imitating others and learning how to walk with Jesus. And then we are to be passing along that good news, sharing God's love with others. At Faith Church, we sometimes say that we want to honor God, to, to the glory of God around here, our mission, Faith Church Family, exists to make disciples, to help people come to know Jesus, find a new life in Jesus, be transformed by Jesus. And as they are transformed, as you are transformed, as you mature in Jesus, one thing that you will do is you will make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This is God's intent, is to pass along what, what we are learning to share the good news with others who need to find life in Jesus. So Paul's example in our passage is this father to beloved children, this this parent-child metaphor. Um, All right, humor me for a moment here. Uh, If you're not a country music fan, it's going to be a little harder to to humor me this morning, okay? This this week I thought of a song, an old uh, uh, country song by uh, Rodney Adkins called Watching You. And uh, in the first verse, which I'm not going to play on the screen, but I'll play a little bit of it. In the first verse, he's riding in his car with his little son, his his very young boy, and his boy blurts out a bad word. And, uh, And so the singer, the dad, says, where'd you learn that? And then here's what we get. Let's take a look at this. He said, I've been watching you, dad. So that example, I don't know about you, but that example makes us a little nervous, right? Son blurts out a bad word. Dad says, where'd you get that? He says, I've been watching you. That makes us a little nervous. We know that left on, if we're honest with ourselves, we know that left to ourselves on our own, if it's up to, entirely up to us, we may not be uh, an example worth imitating. That's why, that's why we're often more comfortable with the whole saying, hey, uh, uh, do as I say, not as I do. That's why we're more comfortable with that. We'd rather tell the rules. We'd rather say how you should be, but we're not really sure we want to turn people's attention to our behavior. 
Today's passage, though, Paul says, be imitators of me. And here's, here's what I think I want us to think about. We, we have this, this throughout Scripture. Leaders saying, imitate me. Follow me as I follow Christ. Walk in these ways. Here's how to live. But yes, later in 1 Corinthians, where right now in, first, in this letter, he says, be imitators of me. Later in 1 Corinthians, he puts it this way, chapter 11, verse 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow me and I want to point you to, to Jesus. We were talking about maybe needing, um, we were talking about whether we need to have discipleship coming into our lives, a discipler, someone who's pouring into us. We talked about whether we ought to be discipling others. We don't always like the idea of authority though. We don't always like the idea of someone over us or someone speaking into us or someone correcting us. We don't always like the idea of authority. We don't always think we need authority in our lives, but we do. And, and let's think about what the ideal authority would be. Who, you know, what, what characteristics would the ideal authority have? How, who would we receive from willingly? And I think it's the kind of person that can speak difficult truths into our lives because do we need to know areas to grow? Do, do we need to be corrected of sin? So, so certainly an ideal authority in our life would be someone that can speak truth, can tell us honestly what they see. But I think the ideal authority would be someone that can do that and that we receive it well because we know they love us. The ideal authority in our life would be someone who can speak truth in love because we know they love us, we can receive it. Friends, first of all, that's what we have in Jesus. The God, God himself, God the Son, the God-man, fully God, fully human, fully God, fully understanding our life and journey, speaking truth into us through his word, through uh, when, we, when we listen in prayer and we receive it because we know we lo- that he loves us. But we see in this passage that imitation is also part of God's plan. And one way I think Jesus shows us how to live is through the example of others, through other Christians in our lives. So how does that happen? What does that look like? Well, here at Faith Church, I, I really highly recommend you hear us talk about all the time, be in a life group. Be in a group of people where you can know them and they can know you. When we gather on Sunday mornings in two separate worship gatherings and three, four, five hundred people come and go each month, each week from Faith Church is not a way to know and be known. But as we join in a life group and we put ourselves in relationship with other people that can really know who we are and what we're all about and we can get to know them, then we have the opportunity to, um, to hear truth from, other, from, from God through other people to hear truth about ourselves from people that we know uh, care about us. And, he, and then even as, as we continue to follow God in this and as we continue to see what God has in store for us with life groups, we hope to also within life groups help you to connect in smaller groups of men, smaller groups of women, and have the opportunity to do this, what we're talking about, to, to really care for one another, to speak truth into each other's lives, to pray for one another, to hold each other accountable, to help each other study and, and apply God's word in your life, um, et cetera. And, and what's the purpose of this imitation, imitation, seeing others' lives, 
following, is to learn what a mature Christian does and says. What does following Jesus look like in our life? Well, um, who is worthy of imitation? Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul says, yes, imitate me. You can look to my life. You can see my example of living for Christ. And you know why I'm comfortable with that? Paul says, you know why I'm okay with asking you to imitate me? Because I'm following Christ. Not, not that I'm perfect, but follow me as I follow Jesus. And, and you'll see him more and more. Let's uh, take a look at the second verse of that song. Got back home and I went to the barn. I bowed my head and I prayed real hard. Said, Lord, please help me help my stupid self. The next side of bedtime later that night, turning on my son Scooby Doo night light. He crawled out of bed and he got down on his knees. He closed his little eyes, folded his little hands, spoke to God like he was talking to a friend. And I said, son, now where'd you learn to pray like that? He said, I've been watching you, Dad, ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo, I want to be like you and eat all my food and grow as tall. And holding mama's hand Yeah, we're just alike Hey, ain't we bad I wanna do Everything you do So I've been watching you Well, maybe there are some examples in our life That are worth following Maybe not perfectly Maybe they pick up some things We don't want to be picked up but maybe there are some good examples of following Jesus that other people can see in me. That's how we think. I mean, but, but I don't know. I'm still not worthy. If, I'm still not sure I'm worthy of being imitated. Well, you're right. You're not. You're not worthy of being imitated. But as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself, lives within you. On, left to your own, apart from Christ, you're not an example worthy of following but followers of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, if you have received God's gift of salvation through Jesus, the gospel has rescued you from sin and death and brought you into life. And upon being rescued by Christ, the spirit of God, God himself lives within you and is transforming you from the inside out. He's empowering you to live for him. So you can be an example worthy of imitation because of the spirit's work within you. God designed us to live in relationship with other people, with, in relationship to other Christians, so that we can help one another, so that we can sharpen one another, so that we can point to Jesus, so that we can help and carry one another's burdens. God designed us to live in relationship with other Christians so we can help one another learn not to just know stuff about God, not to, like the Corinthians, just be puffed up in worldly wisdom. But God put us with, to, designed us to live in relationship with other Christians so that we would learn to live out our faith in God. Not just to think we have the wisdom or the answers or we know about the Bible, but, but, but so we could be transformed into living a life that demonstrates that God is at work within us. 
that uh, we've said this before, right? To, to have a life that, 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 that has only one possible explanation, a life that has a gospel explanation. The only possible thing you could see in me, the only worthy imi- thing worthy of imitation is Jesus at work within me. Verse 19, and Paul says, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills and I will find out. He's writing to this church, this church that's been broken with divisiveness and, and, and putting too much emphasis on the wrong things and aligning themselves with leaders and trying to make themselves feel important and emphasizing the wrong things. And Paul says, I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. Merely words, he, he's coming to see, is it, is it merely words or are these people able to demonstrate the power of God by showing that the Spirit is at work in them? They claim to have the Spirit. Paul's writing to these Corinthians that they claim to have the Holy Spirit, but is there evidence of the Spirit's presence in their life? What do I see? What do I get? Do I just get puffed up, arrogant knowledge of people learning to, I know about Jesus, I've heard the gospel, now, I've, now I'm all arrived and can do it on my own? Or Paul says, am I going to show up and I'm going to see that the Spirit has rescued them from sin and death and is transforming them from the inside out, giving them new heart and new mind and new passion. And, and the outflow of their life makes it obvious that the only possible way they would live that way is because God is at work within them. That's what Paul's wanting to know what he's going to find out when he gets there. Verse 20, he follows that up by saying kind of the same thing a different way. For the kingdom of God, God's reign in the world... Jesus reigns now and will reign more fully in the future for the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. The gospel of Christ crucified, that we've said this in this series, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus is summarized with those two words, Christ crucified, Jesus dead. It is is kind of a two word summary of this good news message. And it may appear In this letter we've talked about, it may appear that that is weakness. What's this dead guy got to do with me? How is that going to help change me? How is that going to improve my life? It may appear to be weakness, but the Bible tells us that the gospel is is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. The Corinthian Christians were emphasizing human wisdom and boasting in themselves, but the real action of God the display of his kingdom, Jesus' ruling reign is characterized by the power of the Holy Spirit at work. What ultimately counts is the presence of genuine spiritual power. It's not just words. It's not mere talk. It's the empowering presence of the Spirit of God working in his people. And and this this genuine spiritual power is fitting of God's reign. Jesus said, the kingdom is upon you. God, my rule and reign is beginning now and will be fulfilled fully in the future. And it's not merely talk or words, but a spirit-empowered life. And what will we see in our lives then if the Spirit's at work in this way? What, what, is, what characterizes the work of the Spirit? Well, we should see followers of Jesus who are using their spiritual gifts for the benefit of the church family, serving, giving, using their their spiritual gifts for the glory of Jesus and to help other people in the church family. That should be, uh, that's a, a fruit 
a manifestation of the Spirit's work in a church family? What about uh, a church family or followers of Jesus that are helping other people meet and follow Jesus? That's the fruit of the Spirit's work. It's God working through his spirit in us that we would live our lives in such a way among the people in our spheres of influence who are far from God, that we would be conduits of God's love to them, that we would be proclaimers of the good news of the gospel, that God rescues sinners like you and me through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, church family, uh, proof of the spirit's work would be God using us so that other people find new life in Jesus. Do we want that for Dallas and beyond? Do we want God to use us or the other church down the road? God's kingdom is evidenced by the power of the spirit at work, and these are, ev- yeah, both. <laughs> That's what I get for making stuff up as I go along once in a while. The advancement of the kingdom of God is, is characterized by the work of the spirit of God. The Spirit of God, we've said, is using spiritual gifts to serve the family, helping people find life in Jesus. Our lives, our behavior should be changed. Not just words and knowledge, but lives, words and deeds that are pleasing to God. And an appropriate, humble self-awareness of of who we are in light of what Jesus has done. Verse 21. Paul writes, what do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love in a spirit of gentleness? Here's Paul, father figure to beloved children, teacher uh, to disciples. He's saying, I've got more to teach you. We're only in chapter four. I got more to teach you. Are you going to listen? Do you want me to continue in a spirit of gentleness because I love you? Or am I going to need to bring the rod of discipline? And Chapter 5 is going to talk a little bit about the rod of discipline. So this, this paragraph that we've just taken a look at this morning is kind of a transition paragraph in this letter. Um, in a way, the verses that we just studied are kind of concluding this first part of the letter. But they're also simultaneously uh, looking forward to the next part of the letter. This transition paragraph, is he's really said, I am reasserting my authority. I'm reminding you that Jesus himself called me, Paul, to be your leader, to be a father among his beloved children. So he's reasserting his authority. And yet he's also using these words we've just studied to kind of set us up for this next part of the letter. Uh, Pause, side note. Speaking of the coming passages, uh, I want, uh, I'm going to do one of my parental guidance suggested alerts. PG alert, parental guidance recommended, parental guidance suggested, parental guidance awareness. Okay, so com- upcoming passages, be aware that the next four Sundays have passages that at least mention sexuality, sexu- more, uh, sexual immorality, sexuality in marriage. Those are the kind of topics, whether the sermon is, is just including that or significantly about that. It varies, but want you to be aware of that. Now, as always, we're going to teach the truth of God's word. And those of us up here doing so are going to do so with full awareness that our sixth grade students and up are often in our gatherings and welcome. And and I would recommend continue to be in our gatherings. You with me on that? Sixth grade and up, uh, we expect to be in here and we will teach as as such. 
uh, and I think it would be fine for them to be there. It is an option for you parents of, of middle schoolers that are 6th through 8th grade students during this gathering, 9 a.m., do have the opportunity to be with Pastor Jake as well. Um, but with our middle school students and high school students, we really encourage them to be in the worship gathering one, at least one hour on Sunday morning. So they're, they're certainly welcome. I want to make sure you know they're welcome. And I think that God would uh, use this in their lives and teach them. But I'm just being a friendly parent to parent to making you aware. There's a, spot in your, um, there's a spot in your bulletin that lists the upcoming passages for the next couple of Sundays. We did that so that you as a parent can read it. Be familiar with what's coming. Uh, and I would say discuss with your child. If these are topics that they're not aware of, it might wanna, you might want to do it first. Okay? So that's what that's there for. Let me know if you have any questions about that. But those are the next few weeks have some of those passages coming up. All right, so let's close with this. Paul here in this first part of the letter and in today's verses really reminded us of this, that right thinking is not enough. That, that mere words, that talk, that, that, that so-called wisdom, that gaining Bible trivia knowledge is not enough. The gospel will change the way we live. The gospel should and will change the way we live. Our words and our actions and, and, and changes from the inside out and as we learn to live for Jesus. So... With the help of fellow believers, we are to learn, uh, learn to follow Jesus, to imitate him, which means not only knowing about him, but seeking to live his ways, to study God's word, to learn about Jesus, and to imitate him by living our lives in a way that is pleasing to God. And here's a little last reminder to you, a little gift, because that feels like pressure at first. That feels like the sun watching me when I say, Imitate Jesus. Learn to live in his ways. We might feel a little pressure. We might go, I'm going to fail. I'm not sure I can do it. Friends, here's the reminder that we need. Yes, we need to learn to seek after Jesus, to live in his ways, to live lives that our behavior is honoring to God. But you are not alone in doing so. Thankfully, we're not on our own as we strive to live for Jesus. The Spirit's power, God himself, is at work within you, empowering him to obey, empowering you to obey, empowering you to live in ways that honor Christ. Amen? Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the word that we get to study together on Sundays. I pray that you would, that you would draw us into your word every day that for followers of Jesus in this room, that we would not be able to get enough of your word. Would you help us to open our Bibles daily to spend time listening to you? God, would you change us as we, uh, as we are in your word? Would you help us to learn to walk with you, not just add to our knowledge, but change our lives and live lives that are glorifying to you? Father, I know we can get stuck I know I can get stuck thinking only of myself, staying where it's comfortable. We want to know you. We do want to learn about you. But God, I also want to live for you. I want words and actions that could only be because of the Spirit's work in my life. So God, would you help us to give our lives to you, recognizing we cannot do it on our own? Would you help myself and anyone in this room that needs to come to you this morning, would you help us to submit to you by faith, not by needing to work hard or behave or match up or try to impress you, 
but God, would you help us to submit our lives to you by faith, by entrusting ourselves to you. And God, as, as, you, as, you, as we receive the gift of salvation, as you come into our lives, would you teach us to obey you? Would you remind us that if anyone is in Christ, we are a new creation, that the old self has passed away and the new is coming, that you are transforming us from the inside out? God, would you remind us that we are being transformed into the image of your son? God, we thank you that because of your work in us, we can be an example to other Christians around us. Would you help us to live in relationship with others? Would you help us to um, live lives that are, that are worthy of imitation? Would you help us to demonstrate to each other what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus? We thank you, Father, for your son. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for new life that is found in Jesus. So now, in thankfulness for all that you've done, we lift our voices, we give our gifts, we say our prayers, we hug our church family, we love one another, we worship you because of all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.